0: Alright, good morning Central Church. How are you? Summer is here. Come on somebody. That's right. Hey, if you're watching us online this morning, so glad you're joining us, whether it's Facebook Live or our website. If you're out in the concourse, great to see you this morning and all of you that are here live. We are in a teaching series that's called When. It's a study in the book of Psalms. Uh, The book of Psalms answers the question oftentimes, what do we do when We encounter certain situations in life. We're going to look at Psalm 145 today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145 deals with the issue, what do we do when it seems like or feels like God doesn't care? When it feels like God doesn't care. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here this morning and we invite your ministry to touch, to encourage, to strengthen, to heal, to restore, to motivate and inspire us to like Christ. Lord, open your word to us this morning. Help us to understand the teaching of Psalm 145. And then, Lord, help us to walk it out, to live it in truth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt like, because of circumstances in life or whatever, that God doesn't care about you? Uh, There can be a number of things that that might cause us feeling like God doesn't care. Maybe you were let go of a job that you just loved. And you're like, really, God? Like, I love doing that and now i don't have a job um there could be a a number of other reasons if you know somebody or or if you suffer in a prolonged sense physically or emotionally it's like come on god you can change that why don't you change that we we begin to feel like maybe god doesn't care about our lives um maybe you're just having a bad day i mean i mean you can have a really bad day and just feel like god where are you like god why don't you change this why don't you do that uh, I knew my wife, Charlene, was having a bad day. It was, we were in college. And I walked into her on-campus apartment, and there she was laying on the floor, high school yearbooks open, listening to Bread's Greatest Hits. How many of you remember the group Bread? Not very many of you, yeah. We're dating ourselves. And, and I, knew, I knew she was in trouble when she was listening to Bread music. Um, she, she, was, she was wanting to remember Better days and the interesting thing was as she listened to bread's greatest jim do you remember bread's greatest hits okay come on Uh, as she was listening to bread's greatest hits it made her feel better hold that thought as she was listening to bread's greatest hits her perspective began to change psalm 145 psalm 145 is is written in a poetical structure that's called an alphabetical acrostic, which simply means that the first verse um, or the first set of verses, the first word in that verse begins with a Hebrew letter, and then they all go alphabetically. So in, in English, if the first verse, the first word would start with A. The second verse, the first word would start with B, C, D, and so on. Uh, the reason they wrote in that style was to make it easier to memorize the psalm and then to recite it. I mean, if if it's got that kind of structure, it's easier to remember A, B, C, D, E than just random words or thoughts. And they did that with Psalms they felt like were really, really valuable, that they wanted people to be able to memorize and then recite. There's not very many alphabetical acrostics in the Psalms. Psalm 119, that huge long Psalm, that's an alphabetical acrostic. But there's not many others. Um, The Talmud, which was the Jewish rabbi's commentary on the Jewish law says, if a person recites Psalm 145 three times a day, they will share in God's kingdom. And what they meant by that was Psalm 145 reveals God in such a beautiful way that if you continually expose yourself to that, you're gonna fall deeply in love with God and you're gonna wanna be a part of his kingdom. Psalm 145 is found in more Jewish prayer books than any other psalm more than psalm 23 more than any of the other psalms psalm 145 is found in more jewish prayer books because it was this this heightened sense of prayer and the glory of god was revealed in this psalm so the superscription remember the superscription is the subtitle or the subheading of, of these psalms not every psalm has one and, and not every one is very descriptive but the, the the superscription of psalm 145 says the praises of david Now, that might sound generic and plain to you because David had all kinds of praises in his psalms, but that's the only time that superscription is used in any psalm. So scholars say when David says the praises of David, when it's called that, that it means like the praises of all praises or the masterpiece of David's praise or David's greatest hits album because that's what it is. It's David's greatest hits. And just like Shirlene began to have a change of, of heart and mind as she was listening to Bread's greatest hits, so we have a change of mind and heart as we listen to David's greatest hits in Psalm 145. Let's read some verses from Psalm 145 together this morning. The praises of David. Verse one, I will exalt you my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. No one can measure God's greatness. Verse 5. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. Skip down to verse 13. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He's gracious in all that he does. The Lord helps the fallen, and the Lord lifts those bent beneath heavy loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does, and he is filled with kindness The Lord is close to all who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Psalm 145. What do we do when we feel like God doesn't care. We listen to David's greatest hits and have a change of mind. So we're going to have some fun today, can we? Before we do that, I think the key to this psalm is verse 5. Let's read that together. David says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. In other words, I will think about, I will consider, I will focus on the character of God and who God is and what God does, his miracles. David says, when I want to get out of a funk, when I want to uh, change my attitude, I, I focus on who God is, and I focus on what God has done, and that's what this psalm is about. It's the praises of David. It's David's greatest hit. So we're going to have some fun today. And by fun, I mean you're actually going to participate and have fun. How many of you are ready to do that? That's not like sitting, oh, we're in church today, Jeff. Wait. No, we're going to have fun today, and you are going to participate, and you're going to like it, right? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna give you David's five greatest hits on his album, the five, and here's the the cool thing. I'm gonna do that by playing five secular songs and the title of those songs actually matches the title of David's five. Can you believe that coincidence? (laughs) All right, so here's what I want you to do. Now, if you're watching online this morning, unfortunately, because of copyright laws, you won't be able to hear the, the five songs, but you'll see the lyrics and you can kind of follow along. But if you're here live, you need to sing along. So if you know the song, I want you to begin to sing as soon as you know the song. But for sure, at the very end of the clip, you're gonna hear the title of the song. And when they play the title of the song, then I want everyone to jump in. Will you do that? Say, will you do that? Yes. Thank you, okay. What is, what is David's number one first hit? anybody know that song here we go stand by you I'll stand by you nobody hurt you that's what I'm talking about. We're having some fun today. a girl. Way to go. All right. David's first hit is I'll stand by you. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. God is patient with us even when we sin. The, the Lord is merciful. Mercy means we don't get the punishment that we deserve. Mercy means no matter how many times we sin, we get another chance. Uh, Every time we fall short, I love what what James chapter three verse two says. James says this, it's so real. We all stumble, say we all. That means y'all and me. We all stumble, that means fail, mess up, sin. In many, that means great in magnitude in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. We fall short of what God expects of us and wants us to do regularly. The reason we fall short and stumble is because we we have this sinful nature. Everyone does, we were born with a sinful nature. And we have these deeply ingrained sinful desires or inclinations in our lives. We, we, have a, we have an inclination toward anger. We have an inclination toward lust. We have an inclination toward selfishness. We have an inclination toward hypocrisy and toward greed and toward sexual sin and, and toward anger and hate and, and all of those prejudice and bigotry. We have this inward nature that wants us to live life in that direction. Now the Holy Spirit wants us to live the opposite way, but we have this fallen nature that leads us to do, to stumble, to fall, to fail, and we do that regularly. So last weekend we ran ran this race, my family was in San Diego, some some of us ran the 5K, and some of us ran the half marathon on, on Sunday, 5K Saturday, half, half marathon Sunday. On Monday morning after the race, all I wanted was a big cinnamon donut, big cinnamon roll. That's all. That's all because I cut a lot of sugar out of my diet during training. And so I just wanted to, so my, my daughter and I went to the donut shop and I got, I got a big cinnamon roll and we got, we got chocolate bars, we got maple bars, we got every kind of donut. I bought this big box back, set it on the counter and then I walked away for a minute and my daughter-in-law came downstairs and she walked over and she said, oh, can I have that cinnamon roll? I said, no. I said, that's for Papa. I, I said, you can eat of any tree of the garden except, except for that one, because in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's right. <laughs> I didn't say all that, but I did say, no, that, that's mine. You can have any other donut, enjoy it, whatever. Uh, and she's nine, she's nine months pregnant, to add injury to insult here. <laughs> all the women are like, what were you thinking? <laughs> So I ate my donut and my cinnamon roll was very good. And, and then just a few minutes later, I just got this sick feeling, not because of the cinnamon roll, but because the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And he said, dude, you missed it. Like, you had an opportunity to be generous. You had an opportunity to, to share and to honor your daughter-in-law, and you didn't do that. You, you had an opportunity to be like Christ, and you fell short. And, and what's weird, friends, is, is we tend to think of sin or falling or stumbling or failing as these big acts of sin like, you know, I watched pornography or I got drunk or I cussed. And those are sin, whatever. We don't think of the things that we don't do. The fact that we weren't generous, the fact that we weren't kind, the the fact that we weren't gentle, the, the fact that we fell short of being what Jesus wants us to be in life. And the reality is that every time we fall short, whether it's an act of commission or an act of omission, not doing what Jesus might have now let me just straighten this out if you withhold your cinnamon that doesn't mean it's cinnamon it doesn't mean it's sin for you in in my case the Lord just dealt with me about that and just said you missed an opportunity I'm not imposing that on you right one guy came to me after the service last night and he said you know I I buy donuts and I uh, cookies at Eileen's and I hide them in my closet he goes I don't give them to my kids my grandkids or my wife am I sinning I said yeah you're sinning no I I said no unless the Lord deals with you about that and I said he was dealing with me about that and so we, we we have this feeling that unless we're committing some big act of sin it's not sin but anytime you fall short of what God wants you to do you don't extend grace you don't extend kindness you're not generous or whatever you don't if the Holy Spirit deals with you then that's sin in your life and you need to deal with that but here's the thing every time we stumble we're met with God's mercy Every time we fall short of God's standard, every time we don't do what we're supposed to do or do what we're not supposed to do, the Lord's mercy is there to forgive. Isn't that good news? David's very first hit is, I'll stand by you. I'm not gonna reject you when you sin. I'm not gonna abandon you because you fall short. I'm gonna be with you through this whole thing. What's David's second greatest hit? Who knows this one? Nobody knows this song. Here we go. It's Good love. Good love. Good love. Good love. David's second greatest hit is good loving, good loving. Verse nine, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all of his creation. The Lord is only and always good. Nothing the Lord does is evil. The Lord didn't create evil and the Lord doesn't impose evil. The Lord never tempts us with evil everything the lord does in our lives is to help us strengthen us encourage us make us better or make us more like jesus nothing god does is to shame us discourage us injure us it's always with life and and health and hope intended for us even when bad things happen in our lives romans 8 28 says god takes those evil things and he turns them for what good in our lives god is only and always good. My sophomore year of, high, of college, I was playing college basketball at Azusa Pacific, and I was off to the best season I'd ever been off to in my life. I was a point guard, and if you know anything about basketball, I, I was averaging nine assists, nine plus assists a game. That's a lot of assists. Very few guys average nine assists for a whole season. It was, I was off to an incredible start. Little ways into the season, I got mono and missed the rest of the season. Got sick. You talk about, God, do you really care? Like, do you understand this is the best season I've ever had and now I'm sick and I missed the whole season? And, and unlike you, I started feeling sorry for myself. I had pity parties and I wasn't the best teammate because I wanted to be playing. I wanted to be out there with my teammates and, and so they're having all the fun. They're getting to do that and I'm stuck on the bench unable to play for the whole season. And, and I really thought this was like, the Lord taking blessings away from me. And the reality was the coach could see that I wasn't being a very good teammate. I I wasn't being unselfish. I was really feeling sorry for myself. And he sat me down one day. And he said, Wills, you need to understand, God God wants to teach you something through this. There's like a lesson in this. God wants you to be a great teammate. God wants you to be able to, to support, encourage, and celebrate with people that are having success, even if you're not. He said, he he knew that I had felt a call to ministry. He said, one day you're gonna be pastoring a church and your church may be going through a really poor season where you're not growing or things aren't happening, but there's a church down the street that's doing really well. He said, God wants you to be a kingdom person. God wants you to be a team player and God wants you to be able to cheer and support and celebrate the effectiveness of that church and that pastor, even if you're not doing well. How many of you know that was God's goodness in my life? even when I was going through a really tough time. God was working that for good because there was a lesson that he wanted to work in my life that was gonna prove helpful to me down the road. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're there today. You're going through a circumstance where you, you feel like God's not being good. I'm here to say God is only and always good, even when we go through painful or difficult times in our life. And the reality of God is we don't have to be good for God to be good to us. Here's what the scripture says, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who are your enemies. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of God, for God is kind or good to those who are unthankful and wicked. You know, we're not like that, right? When people are ungrateful or mean to us, we're not good to them. We, we, we want to be good to people that are thankful. When our kids are thankful, that's when we want to be good to them. When other people are gracious, to them, that's when we want to be gracious or good to them. But, but that verse says that God is good, God is kind, even to the ungrateful and the evil. Another scripture, Psalm 119. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Everything the Lord does is good. His love is only and always good. That's why greatest hit number two is good loving because God's love is always good. What's greatest hit number three? How many of you know this one? Here we go. How many of you knew that song? Okay, most of you did, all right. Greatest hit number three is Promises, Promises. Verse 13, the Lord always keeps his promises. He's gracious in all he does. Whatever God says is true. Whatever God promises, he will bring to pass. And so one of the things that we need to learn is to pray the promises of God. Uh, that, that, that principle of God's faithfulness to his word, God's faithfulness to his promises, is all throughout Scripture. Again, Psalm 119, verses 89 and 80. Your word, Lord, is eternal. Another version says your word is forever settled in the heavens. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness is continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. You establish the earth, you created the earth. How did God create the earth? Remember in Genesis chapter one, it says, and God, what? Said, let there be light. And God said, let the waters be separate. And God said, let there be vegetation. And God said, let there be animals and fish in the sea. And God said, and it was, and it continues to be because God is faithful to his word. Whatever God speaks, whatever God says is true. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says, For matter no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Christ, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Did you know that the word amen is supposed to be a response? It's supposed to be a response to truth. The, the word, do you know what the word amen means? It means, yes, it's true. Let it be so. Let, let it be true in my life. When Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, in the, in the Greek, it's, it's uh, amen, amen. Uh, this is true. So when you're, when you're sitting in a church service and, and the pastor, you're listening to a podcast or so, someone speaks truth from God's word and, and it resonates and you go, yeah, yeah, that's true. What are you supposed to say? Amen. amen. You're supposed to say in response to, let it be true in my life. I want that truth to be real in my life. So, when you, you, you should be saying a lot more amens in church, amen, amen. when you hear someone say something that, that is meaningful and, and true, you want that to be applied in your life. So, we, when we pray the promises of God, God is faithful to His promises. You can trust His word, it can become an anchor in your life. And I just want to talk about one of them today, and that is God's, God's promise to save lost people, God's desire to save the lost. Jesus said that, that I came to seek and to save that which was, which was lost. In First in Timothy chapter 2, we're commanded to pray for everyone, for kings and all in authority, uh, because, because God wills that none would perish but that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. We're commanded to pray for people that they would be saved. When, when uh, the Philippian jailer asked Paul, um, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your oikos, you and your household, you and your family, you and your, the, your people. So the promise of salvation is not just for us, it doesn't end with us, but it's for those in our relational world or our oikos. And so when you came in today in your bulletin, I think there was one of these oikos cards. I'd like you to take that out just for a minute. Just take that out. This serves a purpose for us. Because we believe that God, God sent his only son into the world to save the world because God loves the world. God loves the people in your relational world and he wants them to be saved. And so what, what we want you to do on this card is to write down in the, in the blank box the name of, of every person that you have regular relationship with and contact with that's near to you but far from God. They don't know God. They're, they're not Christians, they're not walking with God right now. And we want you to write down the names of all of those people and then pray for them every day. Pray that God would save them, pray that God would deliver them, pray that their eyes would be open to the, to the love of God and the reality of who Jesus Christ is. So I, I had to be honest with my staff when we started doing this. You know, I work in a church, so my whole, all my staff are Christians. The people I'm around during the day are all Christians. I meet with people in the church in the evening or other, I'm meeting with Christian people. All all of my friends are Christian people. I had to say, I don't don't have anybody on my list. I I don't have any oikos in my life. And so I took this card and I set it on my chair in my office and I knelt down before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm gonna be honest. I don't don't have anyone that I regularly have, have a relationship with that doesn't know you. And you're gonna have to fill this card out. You're gonna have to put names on this card. I'll do my best when you bring people into my life to, to, to reach out to them, but I don't have anybody right now. A couple days later, I got a phone call from a friend in California. He said, Jeff, my, my son is still living in Sioux Falls and he's not a Christian and he's going through a really hard time. His girlfriend just broke up with him. He's devastated and he just needs someone to talk to him. Would you be willing to reach out to him? I said, of course. Uh, so, um, I put his name. I got, I got a name on my list that I can pray for. And so I, so I called him and we began to meet and within a short period of time, he surrendered his life to Christ. It was just absolutely wonderful. He gave his heart to Jesus. Uh, within a couple of weeks, there were people that, that came to me or God connected me with that did not know Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, my card's getting full. I'm beginning to have people in my life that God wants to reach with the gospel and with the love of Christ that I didn't know before, I didn't have a relationship before, and that's how, that's how God works, it's a wonderful thing. So who are the people in your life that don't know Christ? We want you to pray for them, we want you to put this in your Bible and regularly begin to lift them up in prayer and say, God, you promised to save the lost, you came into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Jesus. And so we want you to begin to pray for that, and that's why the, second, uh, the third greatest hit of David is promises, promises, because you can trust his word. What's greatest hit number four? Down, I you, so we How many of you know this song? Song number four on David's greatest hits album is Rise Up, verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. That's That's a powerful verse. It's a picture of people that are weighed down with packs and burdens that they're trying to carry, and it says the Lord lifts those bent beneath their loads. you know what the challenge of life is? The challenge of life is that we have emotional burdens, we have these weights that we carry, and yet we still have to function in life. We still have duties and responsibilities that we have to fulfill with all of the the pressure, the emotional weight, the, the, the discord, the things that are going on in our lives, we still have to function. Many of you are going through medical treatment right now. Maybe it's chemotherapy, maybe it's radiation treatment, maybe you're facing surgery or now you're in rehab, and you still have responsibilities. You still have to push through. You still have to rise up. You still have to fulfill your expectations that other people have or that you're committed to. Maybe you're a single parent and you go to work all day and then you come home and you've gotta take kids all night, take care of your kids all night by yourself. Like you come home tired and then you've got this extra weight that just gets put on your shoulders. Like how, how am I gonna keep doing this every night? Or, or maybe you're, you're a parent and your kids are making really poor choices, and the emotional burden of your children, whatever they're going through, is heavy on you, weighing on you, but you still have to go to work, you still have to perform, you still have to accomplish everything in the workplace, and you have to do it well, right? How do you carry those emotional weights and burdens? Or maybe you're a kid, maybe you're a young person, and you have to go to school, you're still expected to get good grades, You're, you're still expected to perform at school, while at home, your parents are fighting constantly. Or, or while at home, your parents are going through a divorce. And you're still expected to, to carry this weight. Like how do we do that? How do we go through life with all of the challenges and burdens that weigh us down? So this last Sunday, we, we ran this half marathon. And uh, it was a very hilly course. And you, you, you'd, you'd finish one hill and there'd be another. And my daughter and I, Heather, we got to mile 11. And I mean, we were pretty beat at that point, but we're, we're pushing through. And we come around a corner, and this is what happened. So this was the biggest hill in the entire course. And we are tired, we're, we're, we're hating life, right? We're, why did I sign up for this race? So help me to answer this. They, have a, they had like photographers stationed two or three points in the race. And one of them is at the top of this hill. Like you want your photo taken. Look at us, we're looking down. We're wondering, why why do we even do this? And asking the question, how am I gonna get up this hill? How am I gonna do one more hill? How am I gonna push through one more strenuous time? And that's where some of you are today. How am I gonna push through? How How can I carry this? How can I make it? How can I rise up? How can I overcome? And some of you need the spirit of an overcomer. Here's what Isaiah chapter 40 says. God gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, amen? They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Soaring eagles rise above. They rise up. And God wants to lift those who are bowed down with burdens, whether it's just for that day to give you the strength and the power to push through, to have self-control, to stay determined, to keep at it. One more hill, one more hill, one more day to push through. The Lord strengthens us in our greatest weakness. David's greatest hit number four is rise up. Be an overcomer in Christ. Paul said, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength." That's got to be our spirit, even through the worst times and the hardest times. That God's going to lift our burdens and give us the power to walk through it. What's greatest hit number five? Anybody know this one? Isn't it amazing how all of these songs just coincide with David's greatest hits? (laughs) I'll be there for you. What does that mean? Let's look in verse 18. The Lord is close or near to all who call upon him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. The Lord's committed. I'll be there, says the Lord. I'll be there with you. When you're going through your health struggles, I'm there. When you're, when you're stepping out in faith with a new venture, starting a new business, a new ministry, something the Lord wants you to do, He says, I'm there with you. When you're, when you're scared, but you know you need to share your faith with other people, He says, I'm there. I'm there walking with you. And that, that's wonderful. That, that's an incredible attribute of God that we see in Psalm 145. But, but maybe a better question for us is are, what was the, the, the series that that song came from? Friends. Are you that kind of friend? Are you there for people? Do you you walk with people when they need your help? Here's what Psalm uh, Isaiah 43 says about God. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, and I'm with you. Are you that kind of friend? Are you the kind of person that when people in your relational world, your oikos are going through difficult times, they're walking through the fire, they're walking through the flood, do you say, I'll be with you, I'll be there for you? Because when you become that kind of friend and you demonstrate that kind of love, people begin to get interested in Christ because they see reality to your faith. They see that it's more than talk. You actually live this out in the same way that God is there for you, you're there for other people. And that's when God begins to change the hearts of those in your relational world. But no matter what you're going through today, God is committed to walking every step with you. If you're in the fire today, He's with you. If you're walking through the flood, He's with you today. What a great God. Can you see why Psalm 145 is called the the praises of David, the greatest hits of David, the masterpiece of David. It talks about the greatness of God and what he's done in our life. Wouldn't you like to know that, God? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that, God. I I invite you to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Recognize your sin and your need for him. We're gonna transition to communion now as we close our time together. And if you did not get the communion elements, but you would like them, just lift your hand up. We have ushers that will give you the elements if you missed them on the way in. Keep your hand up. Uh, We serve open communion at Central, which means you don't have to be a member of Central to take communion as long as you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And parents, we would just expect that you would monitor your own children, and if, if they've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, that you would lovingly ask them to abstain from communion now until they can make that decision to put Christ first in their life. James says as we approach the communion table that we all stumble, we all sin in many, many ways. We sin by committing voluntary acts of sin. And we sin by committing involuntary acts of omission, not, not doing what God wants us to do. But the hope of Psalm 145 is this the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. How have you failed today? Have you failed with your words? Have you sinned with your attitudes? Have you sinned in the way you've treated people? What about this week? Did you stumble? As we come to the communion table, it's a time of honesty. It's a time to say to the Lord, Lord, I've sinned. I've stumbled. I've either committed acts that don't please you or I've not done things that you wanted me to do. Where's your heart today? As you come to the table, John the Apostle says, if you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself and the truth isn't in you. But if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. As you approach the table this morning, this God that we read about is full of mercy toward you. Ready to give you another chance, and another chance, and another chance as he offers forgiveness to you. Would you take out the bread this morning from your container? Mm. Jesus Christ became a human. God became flesh. There was a couple reasons for that. One, jesus had to identify with humanity in every way in order to be a perfect substitute the second thing is jesus needed a physical body in order to accept and bear the wrath and curse and punishment of god for humanity's sin as jesus hung on the cross with a physical body with flesh and blood he took the wrath and punishment of god that you and i Deserved. As we take the bread this morning, we're mindful of that. We're mindful that he was punished so we could be free. We're mindful that the wrath of God fell on him so we could be delivered. Partake of the bread this morning with thanksgiving. Go ahead and open the the cup of juice. Jesus said this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. It represents the mercy and the forgiveness of God for sinful humanity. Every, every drop of blood that poured out of the body of Jesus as he hung on the cross was a, a drop of mercy, a drop of forgiveness, and a drop of grace for those who put their trust in him for salvation, who don't try to save themselves but realize that. They've separated themselves from God through sin, and reconciliation only comes through forgiveness of Christ. That's why in the New Testament, Hebrews, it says that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, animals were killed and their blood was offered as sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice. And when he shed his blood, it established a new covenant, not based on works, but based on grace. now we come to the table with all of our faults and sins falling short and receiving the forgiveness and the mercy of God and getting his righteousness as you as you share in the cup this morning you are receiving the washing and the cleansing of the blood of Christ as he hung on the cross partake of the juice Father this morning as your people we bear witness with the scripture in James 3 that we all stumble We all fall, we all sin. We have an inward nature that's sinful and it leads us astray. But we thank you this morning, Lord, that you are full of mercy and grace. You are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. And so, Lord, it's with Thanksgiving this morning that we receive your forgiveness. We receive the washing and remission of sin. We receive the cleansing power of Christ and a second chance, a chance this week to do it right in Christ's name. Amen. you stand with me this morning? As you leave this morning, if you have a need for prayer, we have people up here that would love to take a minute and pray with you today. Don't leave unless you you come forward and get prayer. And and remember when you, you, you wonder, does God really care about me? Just go to Psalm 145 and listen to David's greatest hits. God bless you.